Welcome to the latest episode of the Brush Builders Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brush Builders Union, Simon Berman. I am once more joined by the one and only Duncan Rhodes. Duncan, thanks for coming back to talk to me. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me back. It's good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, we we spoke in the winter, the early winter of uh, 2020, right before well the world changed, mm. and uh, <laughs> your uh, your career had changed as well, and uh, lots has happened between now and then. So I'm excited to talk to you about all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crack it. It's quite bizarre to. Uh, to think about how much of things have changed over the last few months and things, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back on. Good to be talking to you. Hello to everybody out there listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's free. Just for anybody who may not be familiar, I think that's probably pretty unlikely. Duncan uh, is a former um, painter from Games Workshop and one of their instructional painters. Is that what you? Is that how you kind of refer to yourself there? Um, yeah, I suppose that's kind of um, the best way to describe it. Yeah, my job was basically teaching people to paint. You know, breaking down barriers, that sort of thing. Um, yeah rather than display pieces as such. Sure. And I, you may be familiar with his work from the from many Citadel tutorial video pa- painting videos over the years. Uh, you can we, we got into all of that in the last time I interviewed Duncan back in, uh, I think it was February of 2020, somewhere around there. But mm. I'll post a link to that older episode in the show notes, so if you'd like to go listen to that. Um, so I don't want to cover too much of the same ground. But uh, you had just left Games Workshop when uh, we did that interview, and you were starting the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy, which has been thriving for the last 18 months culminating in a release of um, your own paint line last month. So uh, I'd like to talk about all of that and what you've been up to and all this cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's weird to think it's been going that long, running the Academy now, because uh, Roger, the fellow um, who is my business partner in all this, the guy who used to work with at Games Workshop too, uh, we kind of keep our heads down and just like, you know, keep making more content for the site and try and expand what the website does and add new features and new, you know, cool stuff for the members. Um, so... Every now and then, it's uh, it's quite fun to kind of pick your head up and go, "Wow, we've actually come really far." <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've you've accomplished so much. Um, you know, I, I'm a member myself. I really enjoy a lot of the tutorial videos. Um, it's 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 cool stuff. But why don't you tell me, like, what what is the academy and um, what's that all about? So the uh, the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy um, is a membership based website that's dedicated to. Um, essentially breaking down the barriers that you might have of getting into the painting side of the hobby. Um, it's all dedicated towards um, painting tutorials and essentially um, showing you how to do things uh, to help you get the results you've always wanted in a kind of uh, open, honest, sort of friendly sort of manner. So it's very down to earth and it's all focused about being as clear on the tuition as possible. So we don't uh, we don't do any cheats or anything like that. So when we're painting a miniature, if halfway through things are looking at, you know, a bit naff and things looking a bit weird and too dark and stuff. We'll say, don't worry about it. It's supposed to look at the, this way at this point, because what we're going to do is this, 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 and then show the whole process of how it all comes together. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a very, very down to earth sort of style. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I really appreciate is the fact that you do sort of say, you know, this is sort of the ugly phase of the miniature or you, you know, whatever word you use, but, but that's something I've, I've always found can be a little discouraging when, you know, even if you're following along in a tutorial, or especially if you're, if you're not, you know, often there's this sort of point where, you know, you've laid your base coats down, but they aren't mm. too neat yet. And the model feels sort of like discouraging. Oh, we like, you know, like, oh, I've ruined this figure. But of course, mm. if you just trust the process and see it through. Yeah. So I think it's really cool that you kind of take that time to go, no, your model might not look great just yet, but we're on the path. Yes. Um, yeah, I think it's important to, 
know things like that uh, because often you can find with um especially like years ago when i was younger getting into the hobby the the photographs you'd have of the step-by-step guides each phase looked extraordinarily neat and clean and when you're doing your own you're like why yeah. doesn't mine look like that uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's always it's things like that that um i've always uh, throughout my career of doing this sort of thing even before the videos and things i've always wanted to be um as clear about it as possible because these things are barriers to entry to the hobby and you know i just i want it to be accessible to anybody you know to be able to learn how to do it and i i do firmly believe that anyone can get great results if they just understand a few basic principles really once they've got their head around them they can go on and do um all these extraordinary things yeah i mean i really appreciate the emphasis on achievability and not necessarily you know um competition level miniatures or you know hmm. um studio level miniatures i think it's great that you know you have this emphasis on teaching people to paint so that their model's going to look good on the table mm-hmm. and look good as an army. Yeah, but uh, we have um, expanded a bit into higher-end stuff in the Academy. So if people want to um, you know, push themselves a little bit more, we certainly do have things, and we're going to expand on that going forward. But, for example, we've got a, um, a tutorial on doing wet blending in our, um, in our style, which shows in real time the whole process of it happening to explain kind of like in a clear example, this is how it may do it. And again, we have one of those phases where it's like, right at this point, it's going to look a little bit weird, but bear with us. You just do this and this and this, and you can see the effect build up. Um, we've done similar things with effects like non-metallic metal. So um, in a few weeks ago, we did non-metallic metal gold. And again, that's a very honest look at, this is how it kind of all comes together. And this is what you should think about. And these are some ideas. And, you know, it's kind of meant to be a, an entry level into doing that sort of thing. So um, going forward, we're also right on the other end of this, the scale. We're going to be doing some very bare bones. So you're new to miniature painting. You've got no idea what to do. You know, we want to kind of structure a very clear uh, uh, course that explains all these things and puts it all together. So then you can kind of take that knowledge and apply it and see it in action throughout all the other videos that we've done too. That's fantastic. Um, so when you when you launched the academy, what were your what were your what are your goals and what is what is the academy's mission statement if you have one? Um, to make the uh, the hobby more accessible, I think is kind of like what our our main goal was um, to really like. Uh, as I, obviously when we're working at Games Workshop everything we did was focused on Games Workshop products you know obviously um, but there's a big world out there and there's a lot of stuff in the hobby yeah. so what we wanted to do was bring that kind of impact I guess you could say that we'd had and apply it to other things um, to show them in a similar way so for example with World War II we did a very a video very early on where we painted a uh, German grenadier wearing this kind of poncho with their complex camouflage patterns and so it's kind of like all right, so people are off. We've seen over the years people are being intimidated by these sort of camouflage patterns, and you know, wondering if they get the uniform correct, will it be like, will it not be right? If they use the right shade of green and all this sort of stuff. Sure, so we're able to address that and say you shouldn't worry about it because you know, in combat and with the sun and where it's made, there's going to be all these variations on the colors. So this, this, this. The important thing is just to have it sort of like this. And we found that just by saying things like that, it again helps that accessibility with that part of the hobby. So that was our main goal, to kind of take that openness that we had and apply it to other parts of the hobby. Um, at the same time, it was to to make a living for Roger and myself. Sure. <laughs> and at the time, we had no idea if we would be able to. So uh, thank God that it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, from the outside, it seems very successful to me. Um, you know, I hear I hear praise for it. You know, I, I've gotten some great use out of it myself. I'm actually thinking about taking that uh, the BattleTech tutorial you have for that, uh, mm. that that BattleTech clan, which looks quite cool. Yeah. Although I, I'm, I'm I'm hoping you'll do one for um what what are the uh, what were the pre clan the Inner Sphere? I quite uh-huh. like those as well, but. 
I'd love to see more Battletech content, but I'll, I'll stop begging for content here. But yeah, I think it was, I think it was great. Um, <laughs> really cool variety of stuff and, and different games, and it's, it's, it's nice to see so many different things like, uh, you know, I think you've done a little bit of War Machine figures, some mm-hmm. Infinity. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. Yeah, and we approached them in the styles of what you'd expect for, you know, when you see the, the images of those games. So with the sure. Infinity and War Machine in particular, we do lots of blended effects in the armor plates. So, you know, that, that very distinctive Infinity style um, we show how you can do that. And again, it's all very much designed to be approachable. But it's also because members asked us to do that sort of thing. So that Battletech video, for example, um, we we started noticing in our Instagram post that we had lots of people asking us to take a look at Battletech. And I was already familiar with it because I used to you know, collect the miniatures. I, I hadn't really played it, but I, I certainly knew the universe and everything. You know, I played MechWarrior video games and stuff. Sure. Um, and I just missed completely the Kickstarter they'd done to redesign everything. And I, and because of members asking, I then saw that and was like, wow, I need some of that. So we got a box and the video came well, up. Those new models are cool, aren't they? Yeah, man. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's redesigned stuff. And yeah. I just went straight back into it. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Clan Smoke Jaguar. They were awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they're like, they're really mean and stuff, but they think that are goodies and, you know, all these, these cool things. So, yeah, so we, we again started looking what's the most common techniques, what do people like, and what the what the color schemes people like and stuff. So that video all came about from that. So it was a mad cat in the classic clan wolf color scheme. Um, but the response from it was, again, like more than we expected. So we certainly plan to do more Battletech stuff. We've not, it's such a massive universe, that particular game, that we've not quite yeah. known exactly what scheme we do, but um, it would probably be. Uh, either one of the other big clans or it would be one of the main inner sphere colour schemes. So the is the five great houses, probably one of their colour schemes. Um, but again, we don't know which one. It kind of, it'd be like a community vote, which would you like to see? <laughs> so are, you're, you're taking a lot of community input on your on your work then? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We've actually got, um, at the time we were recording this, we've got in the members area of the website, we've got a poll running asking members what kind of big miniature they'd like to see us do next. Because we know that... Um, People like seeing these big complex miniatures tackled, you know, the things that cost hundred pounds. Yeah. Um, sure. So we've got a few ideas and we put them up there and we're asking them, you know, which would you like to see? And right now it's a dead heat between all the four options. So, you know, <laughs> what are the four options for our listeners? Um, so there is the, um, the, uh, the voice of Mork. So I forget the name of the actual character, the one that's on a vulture, the new cruel boy. Have you seen oh yeah. 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 So that was one of them. Um, we were thinking of a death Korra Krieg, um, Tank, right? One of the big ones, one of the Bane Blade ones, uh-huh. um, or Shadow Sword, or some, you know, one of those variations, but a big tank, and we go crazy with all the weathering and stuff like that. Um, we had a Star Drake for the um, Stormcast Eternals uh, because we've found over the years lots of people asked us to do that. And back at Games Workshop, we didn't have the time, so we kind of had to break it down into tips of the day. Um, but in this case, it'd be a full start to finish one. Um, and the fourth option was a Necron Monolith, um, because we know that the the new Necron stuff, we've done a whole host of videos on the new Necron stuff on the site, and it's amongst the most popular stuff we've got there. So we thought another cool big model for the Necrons would be good. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what people want, and we'll go along with that. Very cool. Um, so if, if, now that you're kind of doing your own stuff, you know, um, how are you choosing for yourself? Like, what models? Is it is based on you know general like popularity, or are you just doing like I think I'd like to paint this model. I'm going to do it. Oh, uh, a bit of both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there are some times when we do a, a video on something because either Roger or myself absolutely love the miniature, um, or we think it's so cool that we kind of want to put it on a platform and expose people to it. So yeah, that was the case great. with um, with recently. Have you heard of Conquest by Parabellum? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, they've gone to conventions. 
Oh yeah, they they they're a really nice um, nice group of people at Parabellum. They they're always a pleasure to deal with. And they got in touch with us asking for some feedback on some of their miniatures. We were like, "Is that it?" And they're like, "Yeah, please, because you've had experience with Games Workshop, so we just like to know what you think." So okay, so they sent us some of their miniatures, and we ended up talking with them. You know, and we we're like, "Actually, this is quite cool," because we got to have a look at some of their rule books and their artwork and stuff. And they got such an, like an evocative, dark fantasy look to it. Now, this is actually really cool, so it would be nice to do a video on this to show people what it's like. So we did a video on that. It went down really well, and so now we're planning to do more. And um, they've just come out with an un- – they're called the Wadrun, but it's their version of Orcs, essentially. And yeah. uh, they, they like a very Aztec theme, as tribal kind of theme. And um, they have dinosaurs, and they just brought out a mod – well, just on pre-order. It's a T-Rex, and it's massive. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah with, a, with one on the back with a huge spear. But, man, that's so cool. Oh, so this is what I mean, right? I really want to paint that, so we're, yeah. going, we're hoping we can do a video about that. Um, just to interrupt you, I really like the um, – that T-Rex is awesome. I think it's the first one I've seen, like, a miniature in that scale of a T-Rex with the feathers and stuff as the current sign. Mm-hmm. I was really excited about that. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. This is huge. Um, I've, I've seen a few pictures of it. It looked big, but I didn't realize it was like massive. Oh, it's, it, it really is. Really? Really? <laughs> their, their biggest scale is larger than what most people are used to. I think it's 38 millimeter. And it can be a bit of a surprise when you first see the figures. So you might see some of these while drawing, first of all, and think, oh, they're just massive orcs. But then you see the humans and realize that actually they're the same size. And it's quite a strange thing to get your head around. Oh wow! Um, so so yeah, it's been fun uh, doing some of that, and we'll certainly do more. But one, that T Rex is one of those examples of something that um, we want to do just because we love the model. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so Roger recently did some research on um, on the viewing of the thing of you know what is most popular on there, and we we're quite surprised to see that actually the Elder Scrolls from Modiphius is really popular amongst the viewing numbers. Uh-huh. Um, so I think we've actually got a lot of members who have joined us for that. So um, I guess we ought to do some more videos for that, which is fine because I also love that. But yeah, so it's definitely a bit of a, a balancing act. Um, but really deciding what to do in the time we've got available is the most difficult part of, of the job um, because there's so many subjects out there and so many things we want to do. And uh, we can only do so much. Um, we were already very efficient at it in that we can get a video filmed in a day and then Roger takes it and edits it after that. Um but uh, yeah, unfortunately, there still is limits as to how much we can get done. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Especially you, you get most of those videos done in a single day, huh? Yeah, well, that's what we try to do. Um, so there's other business things that we've got to do. So you know, bits and pieces can happen that can slow things down. So we try and yeah, we try we try and complete a a regular 28 mil scale figure. We try and complete it in a day. Um, sometimes you can get away with bigger things depending on the complexity of the model. So this week we filmed a Mordor troll for Lord of the Rings. And we were able to film that in a day. Um, and it's quite, it's, it's exciting to be that quick because back at Games Workshop, a, a equivalent sort of thing might take three days to film, whereas now we can do it in one. Right. Um, there's no, no external and, approvals you need to wait for, is there? Yeah there's, yeah, there's there's no extra meetings and all this sort of thing that we need to do. Um, and uh, when it comes to the big models, so these big centerpiece figures, we've managed to get them down to being filmed in three days um, when it used to be things like two weeks. So... You know, we become very efficient at things, which is great because it means the members get lots of content. Um, but uh, yeah, it's always a it's always a trick trying to figure out what to do next. Sure. About how many videos do you release? Um, you know, on, on a regular schedule at this point. On average, we do two a week, um, and these will vary in size, of course, and complexity and things. Um, some weeks we do three. So this week we've got three videos, and if it's a big miniature, then it'll just be one video in a week. But there's new content every week, which we're committed to sticking with. 
That's cool. So, you know, I, I imagine, do, do you find you're painting more for work now than you did when you, when you worked at Games Workshop or, or is it bleeding over into your personal life or what? Um, well, it's, I mean, <laughs> Roger always laughs at me. Um, I, I paint a lot. So even off camera and stuff, I still paint my own miniatures yeah. and things. I just find it relaxing, but I, I tend to paint different stuff from what we're doing in videos at that time. So it keeps fresh to me. But anything I do paint, I record what I do because then we can use it as a script oh, sure. video at a later date. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just, you know, sensible to do it that way. Um, but uh, I find... I mean, I don't know if you found this, but during the course of lockdown, because I wasn't really seeing anybody to play games and things, I sort of lost momentum on getting things finished and I just sort of started meandering around after a while. Yeah. Um, it was only as things started opening up again that I was like, oh, right, better get that stuff finished and, you know, start committing to things. Which, uh, which <laughs> reminds me of, a, I'll have to tell you in a bit about the uh, my Africa core situation as to uh, what I was doing right before we came on. Oh, camera. really? <laughs> Oh yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I do still paint plenty. Um, my most recent thing, I've I've started doing some uh, an army for a song of ice and fire using our new paints, and it's a bit of a challenge to myself to do it entirely using the new paints. Um, but uh, I've over the last year or two years or so, I've painted a lot of Elder Scrolls miniatures. I've been collecting a lot of those and scratch building scenery and stuff for them. Um, that's been really fun. And yeah, uh, and yeah as I mentioned, this uh, this Africa Core project for. The Flames of War is something I've been doing. Um, and my situation with that is, uh, so a, a group of friends and I would sort of like uh, maybe, I don't know, nine months ago, perhaps a little bit less. It was early earlier on in the year. Um, we all decided that we wanted to have a thing, like something new, something fresh to paint that we could all get excited about. And then we could all meet up and play games with it. Yeah. And so um, we decided to do Flames of War because uh, none of us ever played it before. Um, we all picked armies and what we wanted to do. So I picked the Africa Corps, because um, I think Panzer 3s and 4s look really cool. Sure. Um, so off I went, painting all those. And um, so 100 points to the target for your standard game. I was utterly convinced I'd finished 100 points right up until I opened my figure case earlier today and realised I hadn't finished it. Oh, no. <laughs> and the game's, I know, the game's this Saturday. Oh. So, <laughs> How much do you have left? Um, I actually, I'm doing all right. I'm on my last four armored cars. I've uh, spent this evening speed painting, finishing things, doing bases and stuff. So I've got a few little bits of bases to finish. Um, I've got a little bit more on a tiger I've got to do. But yeah, I've been frantically speed painting armored cars. (laughs) And right before I started talking to you, I just applied some transfers to them. And uh, and afterwards, I can then finish varnishing them and then start weathering these cars. (laughs) Well, good luck to you. Yeah, just panicking a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, that's cool. So, speaking of speed painting, is that something that you've, you've covered at all in the academy? Is like its own technique? Well, uh, yes. Well, we did it on monsters. So just a week or two weeks ago, we did a video um, which you can see on our YouTube channel. Which um, the the challenge is: so you've got like an evening or something, and you've got to paint a big monster for a tournament or a game yeah. thing we mentioned over or something. And so the video is about my thought process of looking at this big monster figure and trying to break it down into the most important details and then structuring my plan as to be able to get them to be painted quickly. So it's things like looking at the shape of the detail and understanding of the colour I'm going to be using for it and asking, okay, is it quicker to do that one first or that one first? Because whichever one I do first, I can do messy. The other one, then I can do neat. So is it faster to paint that part neat or that part neat? And, you know, it goes through stuff like that. So Uh I hope people find it interesting and 
getting that process of the thought as to how it can then be applied to all sorts of different miniatures. Um, but we, we've kind of, we've been dabbling with the idea of doing a challenge one where it's um, how do you go about painting a squad quickly? And what things you cut out, what order you pick the details in to allow you to use particular techniques and things. So it's something that we're going to be expanding on in the future. Um, but yeah, that monster one is kind of the first sort of test on doing it in our format now. Sure. So when you've speed painted a model, do you find it something you might go back and fix up later? Or do you, would you be kind of be starting from scratch if you did that? Um, I no, I I would go back and add details later. In yeah. fact, that's what I did with. Um, so uh, about two years ago, I painted a House Lannister army for A Song of Ice and Fire, um, and I kind of I basically I got the big core box game, and I decided I was going to paint everything in it because I didn't know anyone else at the time who played it. Mm. So you get a Stark army and a Lannister army. Yeah. Um, so I kind of concentrated on the important things. And once I got them painted and started playing some games with it, I realized it's actually one of the best war games I've ever played. So I was like, oh, I really want to make my army prettier for this. So sure. I've been, every now and then, I've just been going back to my Lannisters, who I decided to go with rather than the Starks. Um, which is unusual for people who know my personality, for playing like the dirty backstabbing kind of army. But, uh, <laughs> but I've been going back to them and periodically adding more detail to them, so adjusting things. So the most recent thing I did was I've got some knights in there. And the default models have spears that look kind of like hunting spears. You know, they've got that kind of bar yeah. close to the spear tip stopping from going to, like, if you're spearing a boar or something. Sure. And I've been removing those and replacing them with lancers from some of the spare pieces from my old Bretonian collection. So they've got, like, heavy-looking lancers now. So you can always go back to things and always start, you know, adding detail and stuff to them if you want to. It's just a matter of having a discipline on it because it's very easy to start painting one figure and to, you know, spend hours painting a single one miniature. Then to look at the second one and go, oh god, I've still got fifty to go. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of it is about mindset. Yeah, actually, I'd like to talk about that. You know, um, I found my painting really took a step forward when I when I did take the time to develop that discipline. But I'm curious, you know, what do you think goes into developing a painting discipline that's going to be effective and, and not make you crazy? I think um, I think it's coming to terms with understanding where your strengths are, I suppose, and kind of if you do find that you struggle to get miniatures painted and things, or you get distracted easily or things like that, then you kind of have to understand what color schemes you can do that are going to be easy and what sort of techniques you can use to get things going. Um, because it is um, it is a bit of a hurdle getting to that point where suddenly the miniature's looking good, like we were saying earlier. Um, so you kind of want to understand the techniques that allow you to get to that point quickly and have sort of the willpower to get to that stage. Um, I find batch painting helps with that, certainly. Um, it prevents you from getting completely lost on just one miniature forever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of like understanding the basic building blocks of all right. So if I just spend an evening just blocking in base coats just a bit at a time, just keep going, 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 then I apply the washers. Okay, so at this stage, I can just put them on the table and get going. And playing games is a really exciting and inspiring way of getting you to want to do more stuff on them. Um, but then you can concentrate on what is the most important. And typically on the miniature, this would be like three details or so. Um, so it might be the armor plating, the design, and the face on a miniature. So you can start to hone in on those and then come back to it later on. Um, it does take like just a bit of understanding of what that process is. I think watching the way we paint miniatures, you can see that there is a bit of a formula to how we normally do it. Mm -hmm. I think by understanding that, you can then kind of go, okay, I'm happy we're doing that kind of thing. 
There's also lots of shortcuts and painting miniatures that you can learn. Um, using contrast paints certainly helps out with that from, from workshop, if you just fact them into what you're doing. It's surprising how good a model looks if you paint it using contrast paints and then put a brown wash over the top of it. It's very odd how it just ties it all together. Yeah, you know, I, I've done that with a black wash on something. I forget what it was, but yeah, it's it's mm. it sort of marries all the, the tones together, doesn't it? It does, yeah, it does. And um, I ended up taking two with my Elder Scrolls miniatures. I, I found that actually it works really well if you undercoat them with um, with Citadel Zandri dust. And then you start applying some of their flesh tone contrast paints over the top of it. It comes out looking like different tones of leather. And the Elder Scrolls stuff are mostly wearing leather. So you can actually very quickly block things in, add your bits of color for like, you, if it's the Imperials, like a red tunic, you can pick your red and whatever. Then you put the brown wash over the top of them and suddenly they just look fantastic. And it means you can, you know, it's a skirmish game and you can paint the models fast. So that, that's another thing that actually comes to mind. Um, <laughs> like pick your, pick your faction and your game appropriately. Uh, if you know that you can never... Um, paint lots of uh i've got a friend who he always fails to paint an army but he always picks the one that is the most challenging to paint so yeah we were playing a warhammer fantasy campaign and he's like oh i want to play as the empire um okay so bear in mind like he struggles to have the attention to go all the way through i'm gonna pick the empire and i want them to all be wearing white and i want the most ostentatious uniforms possible have you thought about painting them black and going yeah. for the ones wearing lots of armor? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. that's the thing to bear in mind. Play to your yeah. strengths. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, speaking of painting, this one, do you find that like is is there a specific time in your own personal painting practice that you you're like eight o'clock? I sit down to paint, or I'm going to paint for at least half an hour tonight, or every night, or do, do you have any like sort of pre-painting rituals? Like do you know do you get your brushes lined up on? For for myself, you know, I always try and paint for you know half an hour before I go to bed, um, at mm-hmm. least if I if, if I don't be able to do more. But even just getting that that thirty minutes, even even if I just paint like you know the flesh on one guy, I feel like I've accomplished something and I've moved forward on whatever mm-hmm. it is I'm working on. I'm curious if you have any any sort of rituals or self starting motivation like that. Well, I do know it's a very good idea just to whenever you have a little bit of free time, have your desk always set up and ready. Like when you finish painting on a session, just make sure it's all tidy and you've got everything ready to go again. Um, because if you're, um, like if you happen to wake up early in the morning and you've got a spare 15 minutes before you have to go to work, you can just in those 15 minutes start just base coating some, some skin on someone, you know, like you can just do those sorts of things. And if you chip away at it like that, it's actually surprisingly easy to get further than you would think. Um, for myself, for rituals, I used to paint every evening and I would try and do a little bit every day. Um, these days I'm, just often too busy to be able to do that sure so yeah so uh, especially with the development of the paints i was effectively doing half a job on top of the regular job um but uh, i tend to find most time i can do it is um usually fridays and saturdays it tends to be when i get to do stuff um so often on on a saturday my girlfriend will be working on one of her projects and stuff so i'll find i've got two hours so i can just essentially set myself up listen to a podcast and just go and see how much i can get done nice and yeah, try not to be a butterfly and keep jumping between projects and never getting anything finished. Sure. <laughs> I'm so easily distracted. <laughs> no, I, I, I get that. Actually, I, it's funny, over lockdown, I, before lockdown, I didn't used to be easily distracted. And, you know, when when quarantine started here in the U.S. and, you know, everything's sort of closed down for the better part of over a year, um, yeah. I actually was very good for a while about, like, okay, I've got this backlog. I'm going to paint my Dust 1947 army. I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to paint my Blood and Plunder uh, English army. And I actually got a whole lot of it. And then about six months ago, I finished painting Cursed City, which I was quite excited about. And at the end of it, I was just like, wow, I don't want to do another big project that I have to think about for a really long time. 
So now I've, I've, been, I've been flitting between like small things, like a painting like some Titanicus Titans and um, some stuff for a friend. And like, you know, currently I'm, I'm working on some 40K orcs and also a Necromunic. I've been like, it's, it's been very weird because that's really not how I've traditionally I've, I've approached painting. And I, I feel like locked in did something weird to my brain on that level, but I don't quite know what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I totally understand what you mean. You can, um, you can overdo it. So, um, I mean, I, I had cases like that. So I, I was doing, what was it? Uh, so I knew that um, I was feeling like painting armies and things. This would have been maybe around about last Christmas or so, because I was trying, you know, this is that point during lockdown where I'd, been, I'd, I'd finished a number of things. And I was like feeling guilty if I didn't spend time painting stuff. Exactly. Like playing on a video game, yeah. And I was thinking to myself, I could be finishing that thing. And it started to make me feel stressed. And so oddly, the desire to paint things was like, making me feel wound up and so i kind of came to the conclusion that i just had to do something else so i just ended up sort of like like i'd like doing creative things and i felt like playing a video game whilst i was enjoying it um i felt like i wanted to be doing something a bit more um proactive like something i could show for it afterwards i ended up buying a lego set and i, I just ended up spending um like just sitting on the carpet building lego yeah. <laughs> since I was a kid but I had so much fun and I was like oh this is like just nice to just do something else that's not related and it's okay you know you can come back sure. to toy soldiers in LA today I already painted plenty it's fine you've got armies you can play games you're not wasting it it's okay um I think sometimes you do have to tell yourself it's okay to not paint for a bit um and to, yeah. to be happy with what you've done um I'll tell you I do like that stage when you've got an army that you really like and um, there's a game for you really like, and you can just add a thing at any time, and you can just do that one thing, and that's all you need to do. Yeah, like you can paint a new tank or a, a new character or something like that. And you can add it, and you can try it out, but you don't have to commit yourself to painting tons of stuff. So right. It's, so it's not nice. the next six weeks is going to be getting ready to play the game, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, with this Flames of War stuff, I'm at a point where. Okay, I've got an army that I can I can go and play games with. So if I decide I want to add a Stuka dive bomber because they're cool, I don't have to paint tons of stuff to be able sure. to use that. I can just do the one model and, and then go. So it's yeah. nice to reach that kind of stage. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. You know, I think last year I painted actually, I think I painted four armies for games that I've still not played yet. <laughs> like mm, one player yes. and Team Yankee and stuff. And like, I'm quite excited to, but you know, you know, lockdown has sort of waned here in the US, but things aren't, you know, they're nowhere near back to normal yet. So I haven't seen all of my friends, like my buddy who I was supposed to play Team Yankee with. We just haven't had time to get together yet. Um, mm. so it, it's, it's, it's slightly frustrating on that level, but it's more because, you know, now I'm just sort of like, well, maybe I'll just paint this one guy for Necromunda or maybe I'm going to paint this Baron War figures just because I want to. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen those figures? Um, which one? Sorry. The Baron's War? Um, I haven't actually, they're, no. They're really uh, nice. I'm, a, I'm aware of them, but, um, I've, uh, I've never actually looked them up. Um, but, it's a medieval game, isn't it? Medieval skirmish game. Yeah. It's actually, I think it might be, it's really the only like being the only you know, high medieval skirmish game. It's being supported, which is a little surprising, but they have some really nice miniatures. It's the, it's, uh, uh, Footsore Miniatures is making the figures. Yes, I know Footsore. They do yeah, some nice figures. They do. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I should look that up. Yeah. You I should, should you'll like them, I think. Yeah, because I, I do like medieval themed stuff. I like the colors of the heraldry yeah. and things. And, um, you know, they, when it's not high medieval time, I really like that. Uh, you do remind me, actually, I did paint an army of Teutonic Knights and I've never used them. Oh, cool. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> like you say oh, I painted all these armies and now they're just sort of there yeah, <laughs> just use them. yeah. looking at me reproachfully 
Uh, but the thing, yes. <laughs> one thing I really would like to talk to you about that, which we could touch a little bit, is that, you know, um, just last month, uh, you were involved in launching a Kickstarter for uh, a paint line. Mm. And uh, yes, I'd love to hear was, all about that. This was uh, um, an extraordinary uh, part for me in the rather bizarre story my life has become. Um, we, so Roger and I always kind of wanted to, it was a bit of a dream, you know, wouldn't it be cool to be able to make some of our own paints? And for colours that we'd want to have, you know, to... to you know, kind of have our own little selection of maybe, I don't know, 10 things that we could use and there's other ones and we mix them in and stuff. And um, we were always talking about it and stuff. And then one day we got approached by this this fellow called Bob. And um, so Bob's been in the industry for a long time. Bob Watts, and- right? That's right, yeah. yeah. And he's um, for folks who aren't aware of him, you've almost certainly played a game that he's been involved in some point because he's been in the industry for like as long as it's been around he's been at games workshop privateer press sabertooth games all over yeah yeah um it was quite cool i've got these old star wars figures that are made by grenadier um and they were for the days when west end games were doing their role play games i used to collect them um and they're very small and stuff and some of the proportions are a bit janky and stuff but they got such charm to them i really love them and um it turns out he used to run grenadier and he was involved in making these figures and you in the 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 meetings and stuff when all the licensing was done so yeah um yeah. So anyway, he approached us and you was starting this new company and um, he was interested in licensing um, us to do some paints. And so we ended up having some really good conversations with him and getting quite involved in the development of this stuff because we, you know, we knew that um, if this was to go ahead, my name was going to be on it. So we wanted to make sure that you know, the paints were good and the colors we liked and stuff like that. And um, it just sort of evolved. And um, yeah, Bob's a fascinating guy to talk to. He's absolutely lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's one of those guys. He, he's got like a really jolly laugh and stuff. And he's got a million stories about things like of, of all sorts, like such a fascinating life. And so we've had a great time working with him. Um, and this was, this was last, like, you know, um, last year that he first started talking to us and stuff. And the project's kind of been developing from there. So um, last Christmas, I was there mixing colors that we'd want and you know we got to kind of develop like how this range would look and how the paints would interact and it was all done in the lens of our experience as people getting into the hobby so um the paints are of course designed so that anyone of any level can use them but we also wanted to make sure that if you're new to the hobby and you you just present with a whole ton of paints it can be explained of like all right so you basically got three of each color and the design that you've got a sort of like a mid-tone a shade and a highlight for each one so that as you start learning about the concepts of shading and highlighting your miniatures and doing layering and stuff like that, you're like, oh, okay, so these colors are laid out for me to use that. But then you can, as you get it, you can take those colors and use other ones from other tribes in the range and be able to come out with all these different things. So it became this quite expansive idea and range. And um, it just kind of went from there. Um, and I've learned so much about the creation of paints that I never even imagined I would ever find out in this whole bizarre situation of a product range. Sure. And, and Bob's got all these um, contacts and things and like his company, Transatlantis, it's like it's got other games and things in development right now, but it's already got this kind of um, established, well, I, I suppose you could say like a bit of a network to it, I guess. It's like he, 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 the guy knows what he's doing. So it's all just suddenly like happening. And so Transatlantis um, wanted to start the project with Kickstarter to fund it all. And so they set all that up um, whilst Roger and I were concentrating on well, we think the bottles should be like this. Um, the labels would be cool like this. And, you know, we like these colors. And we'd, we'd be working with the chemists who are making the paint, who'd send us samples, which we'd then test. 
give feedback on it. Then they send some more samples based on that. We test that. And so it was effectively like a sort of half a job on top of the regular job of working yeah, I'm on sure. this and, yeah, and honing them. And um, the result they've got to now, we're so proud of them because they're just gorgeous paints to use. They're, they're so lovely. They cover so nicely. They're so smooth. They've got such a nice selection. Um, that's great. And the metallics, they, I don't know what the chemists did with them, but they, they, they basically they started explaining it to us at one, during one meeting. And they started using words that, whilst I individually understand what that word means, I don't get what it means in that order. Sure. <laughs> so it's like hearing another language. And it's like, okay, all right, I'll pretend I understand what you just meant, but this paint's amazing, so I'm happy with it, whatever you've done. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was so exciting to see all this come together. And then, um, so then the, the, we started previewing it, we started telling people about it, and the Kickstarter started. And it just went phenomenally well um, to an extent that we never even could have dreamed. Yeah, it was a pretty big success. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't believe it. Well over like, a million just, dollars, I believe. It was, yeah, well over. 7,000 odd backers? Yeah, I mean, we, I the target was, I think, I think, yeah, I think it was 50K, $50,000, I think was the target to get it funded. And it started... And we had all the stretch goals and things. You know, we knew what they were, were lined up and stuff. Um, and we were confident it was going to get funded, but we were like, oh, do we think we're going to hit all the stretch goals and stuff? And then it just like went and just, you know, yeah. we, uh, we, we were sat that afternoon in the studio. We were just like, oh, it's about to start. Let's watch and see what happens. And the number just kept going up. Sure. And 16 minutes in, yeah, it was funded in 16 minutes. And we were like watching with eyes as big as saucers, <laughs> like, what the heck's going on here? We were like, Roger and I were phoning up our parents going, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were flawed. They couldn't believe it. Um, and yeah, it just kept on going. And then all the things got unlocked and stuff. And we were just, yeah, just shocked by it because um, we were seeing people talking about it online, of course. And um, some of the most like, feelings i don't think i'll ever quite experience again when you see people on facebook discussing the paints and discussing it and um like just people just people saying that um these guys are great you should support this and then other people going oh i'm not sure what pledge to go for and then someone says go for the top one you know that they're, they're working on it it's going to be top quality it's like such a um overwhelming sense of responsibility sure but like it's it's really quite moving on an emotional level that like you got people that you don't know all around the world saying you know they trust trust what we're doing because I said it's good, um, and yeah, so I, I really really want people to feel um, you know like that we we're, we're trying our absolute best to get these paints to be as good as possible, and I'm having a great time using these samples that we've got right now. Um, I'm really confident people are going to like them and I can't wait for them to get out there. Yeah. Um, but for, yeah, for anyone listening, by the way, who's back the project, thank you so much for um, believing in us and we're not going to let you down. That's, that's really cool to hear. And yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, you, the people, you know, you, there's so much goodwill towards you because of what you've done for the hobby over the last decade. And I, I'm, I'm excited to get the paints myself. Um, but uh, what, what do you think makes the paints so great? You know, as far as like their consistency, you know, when you, when you were working with, with Bob and Trans last games to design these, what were the things you wanted to see out of the paints? Um, so I wanted them to work really well with the sort of style in which I paint things. Um, so what I wanted to do was make sure I could address, um, as you end up using lots and lots of paint over the years, you kind of start to understand the character of those individual paints. And what I wanted to be able to do was address things um, that 
uh, I found frustrating or, you know, things that could be annoying, that sort of thing. So a real key thing for me was to make sure that they were really smooth and that they dry smoothly. And they certainly do. Um, like more than, um, it's quite difficult to explain it um, until you actually feel how they behave, but they they just have a really nice smooth finish to it. You know, they, the, the brush marks just don't really show. Um, so that was great to see that happening. Um, it's, like I say, it's quite odd to, try and explain it until you feel it, but you'll see what I mean when you start using them. Um, I wanted to make sure that, um, like I mentioned earlier, that it was a very clear system to it. So for someone who's new to painting, they'll be able to get how to use them straight away. Um, there were particular paints I really wanted to make sure they had a good strong coverage on things so you could use them to kind of base coat things in. So our medium yellow, um, it, it's, um, it, it's, got us quite considering how bright it is it covers really nicely so again people will see when they start using it um it's not like a super strong like foundation kind of thing like you see with some particular paints where they have like certain um things done to them to make them cover really strongly but it is still very good so you do like you know two or three coats and you got this really bright yellow straight away over things so that's that was something i was really happy with um the one particular color i really wanted to make sure worked well was the emerald green color um, which I always find when you've got this particular shade of green or something like it, it's always very thin and kind of streaky. Um, so I was very particular about the samples of that one, especially as I kept checking it. And I wanted, I was like, no, I wanted to do this, I want to do this. And so there's quite a few samples going through until they hit what we have now. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a really lovely paint to use. So I, I'm really excited to see how people enjoy them when they do get to use them. The washers as well. The, the washers, um, so I was very... Um, I, keen to make sure that they dried consistently with a, a near matte finish um because i don't know if you've ever seen with washers sometimes when they dry and you start getting strange reflections yeah glossy finishes to them yeah yeah i it always really bugs me when a wash does that Same. so i wanted to make sure they yeah they had that even finish and you'll see when you use them first when you first put them on they look extremely strong but you kind of just push them around and they'll just flow on their own and smoothly settle into recess details and things so um there was again there was lots of testing on these um to make sure they behave correctly but uh, i think the the chemists absolutely nailed it um the metallics by comparison were a pleasant surprise because i was sure that might be able to do some really nice colors with those the actual the mix of them is um the the, the way they cover is so strong as you first put them on so there's we've got a video actually where we've got our our mascot for the website this, uh, this character we made called surcoats yeah and the first color we put in him is uh, the color surcoat silver to be like his armor and everything and you'll see what i mean it just goes straight on bang one coat very really cool. bright shiny silver yeah so um yeah they, they, they these little, little things like little quibbles of paints i've just used over the years and you know from all all over the place and stuff just like things how i'd like them to be we're able to address that yeah uh, that's the dream so, isn't it yeah like, like i say it's just it's a really weird surreal experience and i don't think it's quite settled in roger did say to me at one point how does it feel to have a product with your name on it and i was like i don't really see it as my name um it's more of like our thing that we've made um so it's like a baby it's our baby yeah. going into the world <laughs> um so so yeah that's it, yeah, it's been incredible, and it's been nice that um, it's not you know it's been the two of us doing stuff because Roger is a guy I've been working with for so long, um, and it's really nice that you know people are getting what who he is and what he does. Um, so it's great to like be able to say that this project is a thing that both of us 
had our input and what it should be in our own ideas as to how this kind of core system of it is designed. Oh, and I'm, I'm sure it's tremendously gratifying. It, it really is. It really is. Yeah, the whole experience is something that I think I'll be telling grandkids one day. I'm sure. Um, so <laughs> yeah. a couple of questions to a person curious about the paints. You know, um, as far as like the viscosity of the paints, what other brands might you compare them to in terms of like, are they, are, do they kind of feel like Citadels or Vallejos or, or something else? Um, I don't really want to compare them to one range in Fair particular. Enough. Yeah, because I don't want to, I don't want to like put it in conflict with anything. Um, I think they they're not exactly like any of them. Um, they're like I say the the smoothness is something that certainly stands out. Some of them feel quite thick when you first put them onto the palette, um, but of course thin your paints right. So you add a touch sure. of water to them and you see what I mean. They 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 thin right down and become very very smooth. Um, it's kind of like they sort of have elements of all these different ranges, I think. Um, the, yeah, it's, it's like I say, it, it's, it's a smoother feel than what people might be used to. So it might take you like like a little, little bit of experience with them to get the feel of them. Uh-huh. And that's the same for all paints. If you use different brands, you'll see how they yeah. feel a little bit different. Yeah. And uh, when you were developing the, the, the hues for, your, for the line, did you find that, was it difficult to sort of be like, well, we need to have a basic yellow for somebody who's getting their first yellow paint but also we don't want it to be too close to an existing yellow that's easily found in another range. How did you kind of thread that needle? Um, well, it's uh, it's actually quite a difficult thing. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, there's there's colours like, um, you know, they're, they're all like, you know, like made, um, mixed individually and stuff. So they, they, they're kind of colours that will, like your bone colours and stuff, you get, they're going to be very similar to other existing paint sure. things, you know, like an emerald green is going to be similar to other emerald greens, dark greens going to be similar, you know, it, it's, so you're going to see that, that they can be used alongside others and it, there's not like a great deal of difference. Um, but then, you know, there's so many paints out there, I suppose it's to be expected, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the, it's the way they behave is the key thing about them, I think that makes them stand out. But actually choosing the colours is, um, when you, so at first we were kind of like, well, how many paints could we have? And we eventually settled on the number of 60. And you think, well, that's a huge amount of paints. But when you start to, this triad system that we had, when you realize that's like three for each, I think yeah. it was like, what, 20 colors. All right, at least six of them are going to be washers. At least six of them are going to be metallics. Um, we need to have black, white, and all the shades of gray in between. Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly the numbers start to become quite yeah. um, tight. And you realize, well, we can have one set of reds, one set of greens, yeah. one set of yellows and stuff. So it becomes a bit, um, if you want to, we were like, well, it'd be cool if the range was essentially self-sufficient. They could paint anything with just this range. But suddenly you have to start thinking, okay, so you've got to kind of cover for these important things, but there's other important things. So you've got to sort of allow the mixes to be done to allow you to be able to create all this stuff. Right. Um, so that all the color choices are done with that sort of thing in mind, which is hand in hand with the colors that I tend to use the most. Which is why there's things like uh, there's a number of car keys in there, and it's because I use them for um, when painting a miniature for like leather details and stuff, uh-huh. and a variety of tones I can use. So if you paint like a, a guy in a horse, for example, it's so that you've got all these different tones that you can pick to paint all the various different leathers and the horse flesh and the mane and all that kind of stuff. So that's the idea of that sort of thing. Um, but that said, this is just the starting point and we want to expand the range going forward. Yeah. So what people will start to see is triads as we start to expand it out for all kinds of different things. So all sorts of different shades of like primary and secondary colors um, for, you know, common things that people want, but also things that are going to be like more metallics and uh, more skin tones and, you know, like more different browns for different particular things. And, you know, so it's going to, it's going to grow from what you see now. 
but this is very much the core starting point and yeah each color was uh, it was highly competitive to get to that sort of color in there oh, it was, it was a yeah. lot of work man <laughs> i'm sure I'm, I'm very excited to get my hands on them myself um no, that's, that's really cool so uh I, my, my follow-up question is be, what, what's for the what's the future of the line but you've already said you're planning to expand it mm. um yes we are going to expand it with more triads so again it's designed to kind of be easy to access it and you know we've there's a whole list of things we've been drawing up that we want to be covering with it. So you'll certainly see more. That's great. Do you think you'll do any more specialty paints? Like I know you had a blood effect as a stretch goal, which I'm quite keen to get my hands on. Yes. Yeah. Now there's a lot of those I'm not allowed to talk about. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I think you'll see some like cool paints that will surprise people as we, as we go ahead. There's some quite extraordinary things that the chemists can create. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really excited to show more of that as we go along. But yeah, the blood paints are really fun. So we've got two shades of them. So um, there's, uh, one that's kind of like blood and the other one that's like gore. So the idea is that um, you can just use one of them if you want to, in which case I'd suggest the brighter one for the more blood sort of effect. But you put it on, then you add the darker one on it. And because it's the same sort of paint, it blends straight away into the surrounding area. But it means you can get that really thick kind of caked on effect. Yeah. So if you want to a zombie <laughs> that's just eating somebody, yeah, you can really cake it on around its mouth. So awesome. It's almost like black. Yeah, then it goes down to the red as it's all, you know, like trickling down the front of them. So yeah, that's very really cool. cool. Very yeah. Cool. Um, so, do you think you're going to be uh, moving your uh, your your painting academy over to the system exclusively, or do you think you'll keep to use other other paints on the market? No, we're still going to mix things up. Um, so, obviously, we're going to use some of our paints. Sure, of course. Um, but, the, but we want to make sure that our guides remain accessible to anybody with a, whatever paints you've got. So, um, what we're going to be doing is saying, all right, so we're going to be using. Um, our pitch black so doom death black for example so we're going to be using that for this one but if you don't have this then you could also use a bad and black or matte black sure. you know like you know list other options of what yeah, you can yeah. use as a so yeah so people don't need to worry about having to get our stuff to be able to use our guides our guides are still going to be remain open and accessible to everybody that's really cool i'm glad to hear that yeah um cool well duncan thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me um i'm very excited to get my hands on your paints and they're going to be coming out about when do you think <laughs> Um, so the target for the Kickstarter backers is to have them in January, um, and all going well, they should start appearing in trade shortly after that. Very cool. Um, so, yeah, um, so fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, the, the logistics are a bit of a mess worldwide, so I don't think anybody's going to hold it against you mm -hmm. if you miss that date a little bit, but uh, it's great to hear mm -hmm. that it's, it's yeah. on track currently. Yes, well, everything seems to be going swimmingly so far, and um, the people at Transatlantis know what they're doing with this kind of thing, so um, I have confidence in them. Cool. So, uh, all right, great. Well, I will let you get back to speed painting those uh, those cars for uh, <laughs> Flames of War. I wouldn't want to get involved, get in the way of your goal there. Um, <laughs> My little armored cars. Yeah, good luck with that. Everybody will be... We know they're going to get blown to pieces immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put them on the board, they'll be taken off immediately, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Duncan, thanks so much. Um, hopefully we'll talk to you again maybe in the future when you've got more paints coming out. But uh, good luck with everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. It's been great talking to you. Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com.